Hello everybody, welcome to Bible study, glad you're here, I'm glad I'm here, we're going to open our time in prayer and ask God's blessing on it. Father, thanks for this opportunity to meet, we thank you for your presence here, we pray that you would teach us by your Holy Spirit, Holy Spirit we welcome you, and I pray that we are responsive to you, that we would participate with you in the opening of our hearts and our minds and our eyes and our ears to all that you want to say and do tonight. So, God, we give ourselves over during this time. I pray you help us to focus. I pray you help us to pay attention to what you're saying, to what you're doing, and how you're leading tonight. And I pray that we respond to you. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, I'm going to open up to Romans chapter 1 and verse 11. Romans 1.11. If you need a Bible, grab one off of a table. And while you're turning there, uh, we did receive a message on SpeakPipe this week. And so I'm going to play that for us. Uh, it's not. There's no... No. It, it comes to us from Bangkok, Thailand, actually. So I'll play that in just a moment. Uh, and just as a reminder, uh, we do have an interactive feature uh, with our Bible study, it's uh, at the website www.speakpipe, S-P-E-A-K-P-I-P-E.com, slash, all one word, Monday Night Bible Study. And you can leave what looks like a voice message, you toggle a button, and it records your voice. And you can leave that if you have a question, you have a comment, anything that you would like to share with us, you can leave it there. So this week, our message is from Kaylin in Bangkok, Thailand. Hey guys, it's Kaylin. Um, I was encouraged by the story of Jesus teaching his disciples, and at the end of it, they were all still confused. <laughs> and the reason this spoke to me was because sometimes I wonder like, how much of what I'm saying sticks to people in, or takes root in their lives. And so it's just really refreshing for me to be reminded of the bigger picture and the, the truth is going out regardless and being spoken and that God knows when it's going to take root in people and it's just up to him. And so that was really cool. And sometimes I wonder the same with my students. They're five and six years old and I'm like teaching them about God and pouring into their lives but sometimes I think oh they're only five like how much are they gonna remember or grab hold of and you spoke about you remembering something from a thunderstorm when you were five and having to go in the middle of the room and the lady saying sit and be quiet God's doing his business and that made me laugh but also I was like hey he can remember something from when he was five so it's possible and so it was just very encouraging for me to hear all of that. Thanks. Love you guys. Bye. All right. So that, again, was Kaylin from Bangkok, Thailand. If you have any comments or questions that you'd like to share, uh, go to SpeakPipe and leave them. So. Romans chapter 1, verse 11. Somebody like to read that?
<laughs> Maddie, drag him out of here. <laughs> no. Why don't, why don't you read that again? Thank you. <laughs> Alright, thanks for reading that. Uh, this is Paul. Uh, he's written a letter to the church at Rome. And so he shares with them something that he's feeling, uh, something that's from the heart. And so I want to look at that in just a few moments. Before, prior to that verse, you're looking at the first ten verses, there's a kind of a mini lesson in theology that Paul goes through uh, as he's going down to that verse. And he, he begins the letter identifying himself as an apostle. And what that means in understanding that, uh, we think of Paul the apostle as being an apostle because he wrote half the New Testament. And if we have any knowledge of the Bible or any knowledge you know, coming out of church, Sunday school, or whatever, you've heard of Paul. Uh, but in the day, if you think about it, where did most of the apostles come from? Who were they? Okay, the, the original apostles were who? They were the disciples, right. They were, they were the disciples. In fact, if you read in, in Revelation, they're, they're distinguished in Revelation as, as being the twelve. And, and so in the New Jerusalem, the New Jerusalem will have gates, and, and those gates, those doors, will be named after the twelve, the apostles. And so originally, it was the ones who actually were following Jesus. So they had been with Jesus, they had been taught by Jesus, they had seen Jesus, they had followed after Him, they had left their families, left everything to follow after Him. And so they were eyewitnesses to Him, eyewitnesses to His miracles, and eyewitnesses to His teachings. Well, Paul wasn't part of that. He came along later. Uh, he was actually an enemy of the church, the early church, and so he was working against what Jesus was, had taught, what Jesus had left. And so the original apostles, they were all apostling, you know, doing what they were supposed to be doing. Well, except for Judas. Alright? But the others were all apostling, doing what they were supposed to be doing. And Paul, at the same time, and this is contemporary time frame, was actually working against them and working against the spread of the gospel. He was an enemy of the gospel. But at some point on the road to Damascus, Jesus appeared to him, he gave his life over to Jesus, and he began to study, he began to receive revelation, and it was a process that he went through before he began to actually move out fully into his apostolic gifts. So this was a period of years that took place. So there was a time lapse between the original disciples, apostles, and Paul. So when Paul began his ministry, a couple things were marked in his ministry, were remarkable about it. One was that he was late getting to, the, getting to the whole thing. And then the other thing is that he wasn't called to reach the Jewish people. That was another thing that was really different about him, he was called to reach the non-Jewish people, meaning everybody else. So that would be the Gentiles, but that word kind of doesn't mean anything. It just means non-Jewish people. 
So he called out to everybody else, which was revolutionary. That was a revolutionary thought that God was going to include people that were non-Jewish. Revolutionary. That was something that, although Jesus had spoken that, although it had been prophesied over Abraham about his seed, and he would be a blessing to the whole world, not just the Jewish nation, I mean, you start looking at the prophecies from the Old Testament, you start understanding what the prophecies of the Old Testament are saying, you look at the teachings of Jesus and the things that Jesus spoke, it shouldn't have been much of a surprise, but it was revolutionary to people because they, they couldn't conceive of it. And it wouldn't be until after the fact, looking backwards, they could see, oh yeah, God did tell us that. We just didn't see it at the time. And I think there's a bunch of things in life that are kind of like that, where God tells us something, but because our brain is so focused on one thing only, or one way, or one concept, we can't hear it. And it's not until we look back and say, yeah, I got set up for this. And we realize that there were things in our life that happened and there were people that came along in our life and there was stuff that had been molding and making and kind of prodding us one way or the other and we recognize it and say, oh yeah, you know, God was setting me up for this for the last five years, ten years, fifteen years to, to do this thing in my life. And it shouldn't have been such a shock, but it was because I was looking in a completely different direction. Completely. So... What was happening here, which I think is kind of interesting, is Paul then is he's writing to the Roman church. The Roman church is made up of likely uh, Jewish people. There was likely a synagogue that was in Rome, and they had heard the gospel, and so some of them were Christians, and then likely a lot of people that weren't Christian. I mean, weren't Jewish. They were just people that were Gentiles. They're Romans that had been converted to the faith, and so. There was probably somewhat of a mix there. And Paul is writing and identifying himself as an apostle. Now in doing so, he's not telling them that he was with Jesus with the eleven. That's not what he's saying. And if you read the New Testament, you see there were other apostles. It wasn't just the eleven, but there were others. And along and along, and there were prophets, there were New Testament prophets that are talked about in the New Testament. In fact, there's, there's one spot in Romans, as you go later on in the book, where it's possible that as he's naming off people that he's saying hello to or sending greetings from, that one of the names that he uses uh, among the apostles is female. So, so it, there, there's, a, there's a variety of people. There's a variety of people that God had called and God had empowered and God was sending forth apostolically. And so it wasn't just the eleven. And Paul is among those that wasn't just And so he identified himself as one who carried an apostolic call. Let's look at some examples of what that means. What does it mean to have an apostolic call? A few verses. Uh, Acts 19.2. So I can look that one up. Acts 19.2. Okay, what's being set up in Acts 19 here is you have believers and the question comes out, have you received the baptism in the Holy Spirit? And they said no. But there were, there were those that hadn't received that. There were those that had received 
a revelation of the gospel. They'd received a revelation of knowing Jesus, of giving your heart, giving your life to Jesus, but they didn't have any revelation of the empowering and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. And so he asked them in Acts 19, he said, have you received the Holy Spirit? And they're like, no, we didn't even know there was the Holy Spirit. Then read verse 6 there, Aaron. Alright, so Paul placed his hands on them. And, and, and so one of the marks that you see through the book of Acts is you see that part of an apostolic call, an apostolic anointing, is this, that he, he places his hands on people or he's present when people receive the baptism in the Holy Spirit. And you see that throughout the book of Acts. Now does that mean that the only person that can lay hands on somebody to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an apostle? No. Okay, but it's one of the marks of the apostolic call. And so, this is one example in Acts chapter 19 of that. And you see the impartation of the gifts through the laying on of hands. You see, they being baptized in the Holy Spirit, they spoke in tongues, and they prophesied. That those are the signs of being filled and being baptized in the Holy Spirit. Okay, go to Acts chapter 8. And we're not covering every one here. I just, I just want to give some examples of what we're talking about. Acts chapter 8. Uh, verses 17 and 18. Alright, so again, you see an example here where the apostles were going into a town that had already received the gospel. In other words, this area, this, this part of of the region that they were going into, they had been evangelized. The evangelist had been there. And the evangelist had done his job, and these people had come to know Jesus, they had come into a relationship with, with Jesus, and the apostles then came. And, and so what's interesting to me about this is that the evangelist that was there was powerful. The evangelist was there, it, it was moved on by the Holy Spirit, it had a powerful ministry, and obviously was successful as an evangelist. Because people knew Jesus when they got there. But the apostles came, they began to lay hands on people, and they were baptized in the Holy Spirit. And something visible happened to them. And how do you know that? Because a guy, the Bible says that guy, Simon, he says he saw, he saw that through the laying on of hands of the apostles, that people received the Holy Spirit. Well, how do you see that? It was a visible sign. Something happened. And so, a couple of things that, from these verses that you can kind of glean from this. One, laying out of hands is an important part of an apostolic ministry. Two, gifts are, are ministered through the laying on of the apostles' hands. Three, baptism in the Holy Spirit can be ministered through the laying on of the apostles' hands. There are visible signs, visible things that people can see that are desirable enough that someone would want to pay money to obtain the ability to do it. All of those things are part of the apostolic call and ministry. Second Timothy one six. Second Timothy one six.
Okay, Paul is writing to Timothy. He's reminding him. What's he reminding him of? The part that I want you to understand about that verse is that he's reminding him to fan into flame, meaning that you've given given gifts, you need to keep them active. So that's the first thing you need to understand about that, is that the gifts that God gives you, you need to keep them active. That's why evangelism is a good thing, because it encourages you to keep your gifts active and moving and doing it. Church, worship time, it's a good thing to keep your gifts active and moving. We need more moving of the gifts during our worship time. I want to see that. I want to hear that. I want to hear people moving in prophecy. I want to see people moving in the gifts that God's given them. Tongues, interpretation of tongues. All that good stuff. Healings. All the things that that God pours into us. He wants to pour through us. And we can minister to one another. The second thing about that verse that I really want to emphasize is that how did Timothy receive the gifts? Paul says specifically... Through the laying on of his hands. That's how he received them. And he wasn't shy about that. And he wasn't beating around the bush and saying that the Lord hath given thee. <laughs> through some mysterious way. But he, he's not shy about saying, he's like, you need to fan into flame the gifts that God is the gifts of God that were given you through the laying on of my hands. It's okay. It's okay. He recognized it. He knew it. Timothy knew it. Paul knew it. We all know it. It is not. It is not a secret. So part of the apostle, part of the apostolic call, part of the apostolic ministry is the laying on of hands and the giving of gifts. The impartation of gifts, I should say. Because that's the more Christian way to say So Jesus, and I will say this too, kind of interesting, and this has been pointed out a number of times, when we have people come to visit uh, from like other places, AFAR, when they come and they, they do our conferences or whatever, uh, that's one thing, if they're more spiritual, they're going to notice certain things about us. Uh, one of the things that they always notice, and I'm talking about the more spiritual people that come through here, one of the things they always notice is that there's a, there's a strong anointing for prophecy. And so, like, it's not just one or two people. Like, in a lot of churches that are spirit-filled, there's one or two people in the church that move in prophecy. And they just, they, they kind of do it all the time, and everybody looks to them. That's the prophetess, that's the prophet, you know, and they're the ones that do it. And we don't have that. We don't really have a hierarchy of prophecy. And we don't use kind of the concept of, in a lot of places over the years where I've, I've had opportunity to minister, we don't, we don't necessarily use the concept of a prophetic presbytery. Now, I know we do our prayer downstairs and our presbytery downstairs, but we don't use that in normal services. We don't use that kind of concept to minister over people on a daily basis or even on a weekly basis. We use that for special times when people come together. We pray and we prophesy over people, and we use it for that. But there's no hierarchy of it. And there's almost like a free-for-all that's going on. And, and that makes people nervous. That makes visitors, you know, that the prophetic visitors that we have in sometimes, they ask me, well, how do you control that? Well, we don't. How do you monitor that? Well, we don't, really. I mean, I see people prophesy. I know they're going to run over to every person I see prophesy or somebody to listen to it. I mean, it's, it's impractical. So it's not really happening that way. So that's one thing that they notice is that. The second thing, so they notice there's a high degree of trust. 
a higher degree of trust that God speaks through us. Me, you, whoever. The second thing they notice is that we all prophesy in a similar fashion. And part of the reason for that is, is because we've all come from the same place. All right? Through the laying on of my hands. All right? That's how that happened from the start. Uh, and for some, not everybody here, because we've gathered people from other places, but the people that, that are, where we all originated from, and, and many of us, we began to prophesy, if not um, in the initial time, it would be we began to prophesy in earnest after the laying on of my hands. And so our, our gifts are similar. Okay? Even if it wasn't laying on my hands, it was laying on my hands through somebody else's hands who received from the laying on of my hands to begin with. And so you got the grandchild anointing or whatever it is. Impartation. Impartation. Yes, yes, very good. Very good word. And so they notice that. That's the second thing they notice, which is fine. But it makes sense. Because we've all grown up together. Alright? And so as Paul was talking to Timothy through the laying on of his hands, I'm sure there are people in Timothy's church that had received through the laying on of his hands. And it's just how it goes. That's how we grow together. That's how the church grows. So Paul begins his letter with, I'm, I'm an apostle. Alright? It's, it's an apostolic call and everything that goes with that. Then he began to give just a, a brief theology. The ver- those ten verses that start Romans. You get a little theology going in here. He talks about Jesus. That Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. And you have to understand that. To have any expectation for God to use you in the miraculous, you have to understand that Jesus was empowered by the Holy Spirit. That, that, that's key. That's key to miracles in your life. That's key to God using you in the miraculous. That Acts 10.38 understanding of how Jesus did miracles. Or or this whole theology you see at the beginning of Romans. You see that this Christology. It's like how did Jesus do the things He did? He was empowered by the Holy Spirit. The same Holy Spirit that empowers you. And so as you look at Jesus... He begins to build an expectation in us for those kind of things through our life, if we allow it. Oh, he, he raised the dead. Well, we can raise the dead. He healed the sick. We can heal the sick. He cast out demons. We can cast out demons. Miraculous things. Miraculous stuff. He spoke to the weather. We can speak to the weather. He walked on water. We can walk on water. Because it's by the power of the Holy Spirit. So the beginning of Romans means to lay that foundation of understanding. Say here, Paul, the apostle, and all that that means, and all that authority and who he is and and what he means to the church, he's saying that. And then he begins to talk about Jesus, empowered by the Holy Spirit. What Holy Spirit? The same Holy Spirit that empowered Paul. The same Holy Spirit that was empowering the church. And, And he gives proof of that by talking about how Jesus was raised from the dead. That everything that Jesus did, signs, wonders, miracles, everything that he, he performed and all the words that He spoke and the teachings and everything that happened were all validated by the fact that He rose from the dead. 
And, and Paul was saying that flat out. There's a power in that of understanding. There's power in that in the resurrection for us to take hold of ourselves. Me, you, all of us. We take hold of that. Because that same Holy Spirit that empowered Him, the same Holy Spirit that He worked the miracles through, the same Holy Spirit that He was able to live the life that He lived, it's the same Holy Spirit that raised Him from the dead. Brings the dead to life. That's the Holy Spirit in us. Get an expectation. Come on. Work one up. A little one. Anything. Just a little expectation that the Holy Spirit, that same Holy Spirit that raised Jesus from the dead is in you right now. Just anything, really. Get an expectation going in your life. Maybe you need life tonight. Good. There's a resurrection power, Holy Spirit, inside of you tonight. Ready to go. Ready. Go. A little bit of faith. Activate that. Activate that. Call it forth. Call forth life. I call forth life in people. Sometimes without them even knowing it. Just calling forth life. Don't be afraid to call forth some life in your own life. Just give a yell out. Come on. Get, get some life going. I mean, you're still alive. You can call it. I mean, Jesus was dead. Alright? He was dead. So, but you're alive. You're still alive. Call some life up. Get it going. And the end result of all this in Jesus, the end result of the Holy Spirit's work through Him while He was alive, in Him while He was dead, raising Him from the dead, is that Jesus is Lord right here and right now. That's the end result. Jesus is Lord. And because Jesus is Lord, Paul declared himself said that he had received grace, that Paul had been called and he anointed to invite the heathen the heathen, the unbelievers, the idol worshippers, the, the people who were the lowest of the low, the people with no hope, living in darkness, just just completely lost. That's who Paul was called. To invite in to have faith in God. Listen to this message. He gives the whole message he has here. I've been called to invite the darkest of the dark, the lowest of the low, the heathens of this world. I've been, I've been called to invite them to have faith in God and to obey Him. Well, and there more to that? Not that he gave, but he said, he said, that's it. Have faith in God and obey. It seems like there should be a little bit more than that, but that's what he said. So, so here we have, that's his brief theology lesson. Jesus is Lord, it's grace, it's mercy, and here's the important part, have faith in God and obey Him. Big message. And that's it. And so we get to the actual verse we're looking at. Alright, everybody get the theology lesson? I don't want to make it any more complicated. I'm not going to add to that. There it was. So, so it says, Paul, it longs, to see the Roman church, his Christian family. He longs to see them. Now, that word longs is a very intense yearning. That's what that means. It's a word, it has, it's a rich word. It has a couple of different parts of the meaning. The first part of it is a very intense yearning. Anybody know what that means? Yearning? 
What? Yeah, you're yearning. Intense, though. Intense. So what are you thinking about? That, right? Yeah. Yeah, so he's got a very intense yearning, and the other part of that word meaning is a regret it hasn't happened yet. So it's a very intense yearning, and at the same time a regret that it hasn't happened yet. And so there's a lot of emotion packed into that word. Packaged right up into that word. Is that he longs to see this church, this, this Christian family. It's a simple, sincere expression of emotion that he gives there. I mean, he's a guy, right? He's expressing emotion, and he's telling them. I've got a really intense yearning, and at the same time, I regret it hasn't happened yet. I really want to see you guys. Now, understand he had never been to Rome and he had never seen these people before. Ever. They were completely others. That he never he'd never seen them. He'd never been there before. And yet he had an intense longing to see them. A yearning to see them. And a regret that he hadn't seen them yet. And these are people he had never met in his entire life. Never seen them before. Never been around them, never shared any bread, never broken any bread at the table of fellowship. None of that. Never seen them before. Unknown people. He'd heard of them. He'd heard stories about them. They didn't have pictures or anything. He just heard stories about them. And yet, he could have that much emotion toward a people that he'd never met. That tells me something about the work that the Holy Spirit was doing in his heart. It also tells me something about his heart and about the softness of his heart to have that kind of emotion toward people that he had never met before. I wonder what kind of emotion he had toward Timothy. I wonder what kind of emotion he had toward the churches that he founded. Because he founded churches too. And I wonder like, how, how big his heart, how swole, swollen his heart was toward those people filled with love. If he could feel feel that kind of emotion toward a people he had never met or laid eyes on before. And what that challenges me to is, is to keep my heart nice and big and soft. Because, I mean, it, it's part of who we are. To allow that kind of emotion from God to flow through us and in us. It's good, it's okay. And so in order to do that, for a lot of us, we have to shut down fears of being hurt. We have to shut down fears of being disappointed. We have to shut down fears that would keep us from letting our heart be that big and that full. But what if they're jerks and they don't like me? Well, yeah, I don't know. What if they reject me when I get there? I, I can't answer that, you know, and none of us can. But those kind of fears have to be shut down if we're going to really have a full heart. They're just going to have to be shut down if we're really going to let that kind of emotion flow in us and through us. Fear will hinder us from God filling us with what He wants to fill us with. You know, you think of Paul as whatever you want to think of him as. Big time apostle, church planner, whatever big Bible scholar. But it, it speaks to me that his heart could be that full. 
toward a bunch of people he'd never seen before. And that tells me more about him than how much Bible he knows. It also tells me why he was successful at making disciples and planting churches too. That the only way I know to do that is with a heart that's full. Because people are jerks. And if your heart's not full of love and your heart's not full of grace and mercy, I don't know how you ever do it. So it tells me who he is and why he was good at what he did. In a simple and sincere way. Because, I mean, that kind of affection... Affection speaks to our feelings toward one another. He, he had an affection for people he'd never seen or met before. But he also had, I believe, a higher understanding and a higher purpose for what his role was in their lives. And so he could see that here's a church and, and, and God's filling him with love and he's filling him with, with grace and mercy and whatever he's filling his heart with. But also there was a higher purpose to his life and, and, and he knew that. And he knew that there was a higher purpose in their life that he had. And it wasn't just to be their friend. It wasn't just to be their buddy, although I think that was important. Greater love has no man than this. They lay down his life for his friends. I, I, don't, I think it was important, but I think he understood that he had a role in their life too. And, the, and part of that affection and part of that higher understanding is that he had a desire to strengthen them. I mean, really, to strengthen them. And that, those, because those were his, his family, even though he'd never met them before. Those are people that, that were his brothers and his sisters, though he had never seen them before. They, they, they lived in Rome, a place he'd never been. But he wanted to strengthen them. He, he wanted to, to overflow into their life. You see, we need to be full. You want to strengthen somebody? You need to be full. And let that overflow just overflow into them. And let them be full. Because I think when we're full and we're overflowing, we desire to impart those riches to other people. I really believe that. You think about the times when you're most effective in sharing your faith. You think about the times you're most effective in kind of bubbling over into people's lives when you're full. At least I know that's true for me. Days that I'm struggling, I'm not saying God won't use me during those days. Yeah, He will. If He opens up a door, I'll speak. I'll do what I'm supposed to do. But that natural overflow, it just seems so easy. When I'm overflowing, and when that overflow begins to flow in other people's lives, and it's like a natural impartation that takes place with that. It's like I'm overflowing in the riches of the Spirit. I'm, I'm ready to give it to somebody else. I want to give it to somebody else. That's stuff I want to share. And so... That brings me back to a spot where I want to overflow. That brings me to a spot where I call on those rivers of living water and I'm calling life forth in my own life, the rivers of living water to fill me to overflowing and giving me those spiritual riches. i got something to give then, freely and easily. I'm not working it up. I'm not trying to figure out how to say it right or something. I'm just living. I'm going to live that and I'm going to overflow into people's lives through that. Those of you that are kinship leaders, you got to think about that. Those of you that, that minister to other people, you got to think about that. That your life is, is a, as it's an overflow, 
It's going to be easier to pour into the people that are around you. It just will. And you'll be happier too. And so I bring you back to kind of getting out of i got to do A, B, C, and D to maybe I need to get full and I need to start overflowing and then I'll start worrying about A, B, C, and D. But let the overflow come. Let that, let that, that bubbling over the Spirit come and see how that will affect the people that you run into. Man, there's just something about that person. There's something about what's going on with them. I want that. I think I'll go over there because there's something happening over there. But what is it? I don't know, but it just seems... Yeah. Those are those things you can't put your finger on. Those are those intangibles that you can't say, Oh, wow, he made the best argument about the, the, the origin of Christ and sin you know, that I've ever heard in my life. That doesn't draw people. Right? It doesn't draw people. That, that, that is not the key. The key to life in the Spirit, the key to life in, in building whatever God has for us to build is an overflow of the Spirit that overflows in other people's lives. That we're full and other people are gleaning their taking from those riches. And we're happily giving. Take what you want. I got plenty. I got plenty. I have something to give. And so that's Paul, he says that to the Romans here, doesn't he? He says, I want to impart a gift of the Holy Spirit to you. So Paul's like, I, I, I'm yearning. I'm longing. I regret it hasn't happened yet. I've got an overflow. I've got an overfill of the Holy Spirit I want to give you from those riches. He couldn't wait to get there to do it. He was ready, willing, able, full, overflowing. I got something for you. And that was part of that higher purpose that he understood. Part of the affection that he had. Part of the love that he, he was giving them sight unseen. Not even knowing them. He understood. i got to come and i got to overflow in your midst. And so he is on his way. Got to get there. See, he wants to impart a gift of the Holy Spirit. And gifts should flow between us. That should flow. And I'm talking about between us, too. Gifts should flow. That there's moments and there's times and there's opportunities. Because there's going to be people that, are going to, that we know that are going to be sitting on a Sunday or sitting at kinship or wherever it is, and they're going to be dry as a bone. And there needs to be an overflow their way. That, that, those gifts need to flow. Because that gift that flows their way today may be coming back me, to me from them in a couple weeks. And we, we help ourselves by pouring into one another. All right? And I'm not saying we're doing it out of a selfish motive. It's just a fact of life. That things ebb and they flow. And, and some weeks we're overflowing and we're bubbling over. And Let's share that. In other weeks when we're drier, in other weeks when we're in need, somebody else can come along and can overflow into our life. We need each other. But that should be a natural part of who we are. And that includes all the gifts. That word for gift uh, is charisma. Yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a work of grace in each of us. That's what that speaks to. The charisma should flow between us. You know, we use charisma as kind of a different word. We use that as some kind of a personal attribute that motivational speakers have, you know, or, or evangelists or something, you know, they have charisma. Well, 
That's kind of like how the word talent was a measure of silver has become something else. Well, the word charisma has become something else too. But in our understanding of the scriptures, charisma is just speaking of a gift that flow between us. Let it flow. Let them flow. And what happens is, as those gifts flow between us, something happens where things are established. That's how things got established in the early church is through the flowing of the gifts. The apostles, their job was to get it going. But it was everybody else's job to keep it going. You know, they had their role. They had their purpose. They had their plan. You know, and it's kind of as interesting as Aaron was sharing on Sunday. You know, she was highlighting some of that. Is that part of my job is to get some things flowing. Her job is to keep it going. And the, her people, that's to keep it going. You know, I'm going to show up for a week. Maybe. But they're, they, they're there all the time. She's there all the time. And so she's got to keep that going, keep that going, keep that going. Let's look at 1 Corinthians 1.7. First Corinthians one seven. Right, how do you not lack any spiritual gift? Do you understand what he's saying there? We're not gonna lack any spiritual gift because we're gonna share our gifts. We're not gonna lack any spiritual gifts because we're gonna put them together. And where there's going to flow between us. It doesn't mean that every single person has every single gift of the Holy Spirit. Although, you should want that. And you should pray for that. And you should earnestly desire that. But maybe you don't. But all of us together do. And that's a fact. That all of us together do. And so if we're going to share. And if we let those gifts flow between us. What's going to happen is we're not going to lack. And that's part of the the riches of being together. Part of the riches of being together is we don't have to lack. We have to live in lack. We have the resources and we have the spiritual uh, components that are necessary that we don't have to live lacking any spiritual gift if we'll let our gifts flow between one another. If. Of course, why do you have to silence to do that? Fear. Why do you have to silence to love people? Fear. Why do you have to silence to have a big heart and to, to really pour out your heart to other people and live that way? Why do you have to silence? Fear. So how, what do you, how, do we, how, how do we share our gifts with each other? How do we let that free-flowing happen? You've got to defeat fear in order for that to happen. That voice inside you says, I have nothing to say. Yeah, you do. That voice inside you says, they don't want to hear what I have to say. Yeah, we do. And if we don't want to hear it, maybe we need to hear it. And so, you have to silence that. Because we all have those voices and we all have those fears. And, and if, we, if we don't actively silence them, they will silence us. And that's a problem. Because then, we're not functioning right. Then, we're not flowing right. Then, we're not operating out of a full heart and a full life and our belly's full of the living water. We're drying up. You have to silence the fear. And keep silencing the fear. If we're going to live full. 
and we're going to flow together. That's the only way I know how to do that. Let's try Ephesians 4.13. Ephesians 4.13. What this verse talks about is a process that we're all in. And that God is bringing us through as a people. We're, we're part of something bigger than our individuals. Okay, that's the first thing it's talking about. The second thing it's talking about is that we're in a maturing process. And that's going to have to happen with us participating in it. You don't get dragged into maturity. I mean, I guess you could... But it's not really how it happens. What happens is we want to participate. And as we participate, we're brought into maturity. We're led into maturity. We're given the opportunity to move into maturity by the power of the Holy Spirit. That there's a work of Christ that takes place in us. That we're maturing together and we're becoming together something else. And what happens is, is that over time certain people get left behind, don't they? And they don't need to be. And I would pray and hope they wouldn't be. But they are. And I don't want to be in that crowd. I don't want to be that person that just gets left behind. Because I've decided that I'm not going to mature anymore. Because I've decided that, that being grown up is too hard. That I've decided that adulting is way beyond my capacity right now. I'm talking spiritually. But I don't want to get left behind because of that. I mean, you spiritually get left behind in your mom's basement. And you never really get out and get to do anything. God calls us to more than that. And He's doing the work in us to more than that. We've got to silence the fear, don't we? We've got to silence the voices that are in us. They keep us from participating. They keep us from being a part of what He's doing. Silence them. God, God might give you something to speak on a Sunday morning to, to prophesy during worship time or something to draw on one of the boards and to elaborate on or, or whatever it is. Or to lead us somehow during our time of worship in some way. Whatever that is. Well, that's up to you to silence the voices and participate. Nobody's going to make you do it. Nobody's in your head saying, oh, you know, oh, they're not doing it. Well, we don't know. You know. All we know is the fruit that when people don't participate the way they should, we don't grow the way we should. That's how we know. We're not becoming who we should be. Because this world is made up of more than just you. And we are dependent on one another. As scary as that is. So God uses His gifts. He uses the flow of those gifts between us to establish that the gifts as they're outpoured are foundational to who we are as a church. 
Another verse, Second Corinthians one twenty four. So how do people grow? By yelling at them and making them feel guilty. No. <laughs> no. No. No, you can instruct people. But the process of growth should have an element of, what's the word in there? Reba, what's your middle name? Joy. There should be an element of Joy. In this, this process together. And I think there is. I think as we're overflowing, some of us and others of us, but we're sharing with one another and we're all becoming together, I think there is a joy. There's an element of joy in all of that. And yeah, how's that going to take place? Faith. What are we talking about faith? You need to shut up the lion, the lion, and the lion, the fear that's in your life. Let's live faith. And there's an element of joy of that as we share that with one another. Read verse, uh, go back into Romans 1, read verse 12. What does it say? I'll end here. Alright, thanks for reading that. Mutually encouraged by each other's faith. You know what the word there means? To cheer. Yeah. Well, we use it, we, we kind of use that word for different things, right? But what does it really mean to cheer somebody up? I mean, think about it for a second. Well, how do we use the word cheer? What does the word cheer mean? Right? Why, why do we cheer our team? What are we trying to do? We want to encourage them, right? We want to say, hey, win, yay, yay, yay. So, so when we cheer somebody up, what are we saying to them? Yay! Go get them, Tiger! Yeah! Right? Go, Tigers! Yeah! Get it! Well, I know it sounds a lot, it sounds a lot more reverent to say, let's mutually encourage one another. <laughs> right? But, but the reality of it is, is we're the cheering section for each other. And we're really, we're really it in a lot of ways. You think about spiritually, where's your cheering section? I mean, seriously, where is your cheering section? It's here, okay? I don't know if anybody else is cheering me on spiritual stuff. They might cheer me on to other things, but not spiritual stuff, all right? Well-meaning people that like me don't cheer me on for spiritual stuff. It's the people here that cheer me on for spiritual stuff. It's the people here that are standing behind me, all right? And it's people here that are encouraging me or whatever you want to say. But they're the ones cheering me on. They're the ones that are, giving me, that, that are helping me to have the courage to, to plan another trip. They're the ones that are helping me to have the courage to go out and go to a place that I don't necessarily want to go to. Do not be deceived. All the places I go in the world, I don't want to go to. And I hope you get that. I don't look at those places and think, wow, I can't wait to get there. No offense. But I, I just can't. You know, it's just true. This place has been in Africa that I, I was, I, you know, I planned the trip. I even planned the trip. 
And I was looking at it like, I really don't want to go there. And then I got there and I thought to myself, I really don't want to be here. I mean, seriously. There was one day I was standing in the middle of a, we are in the middle of Niger. Niger. In Niamey, in the capital city. That looks like it's been bombed. All right? And, and we're, we're sharing the gospel with kids that are wearing pots on their heads, metal pots on their heads as hats. Thinking to myself, I do not want to be here right now. It's hot. It's stinky. It's dirty. I'm dirty. I'm hot. I'm stinky. No. And the hotel we're staying in is hot and dirty and stinky too. The air conditioning wasn't working in one of the rooms and the water was broken. So, and that's not the first place I've ever been like that. And it won't be the last. But people, but people just keep cheering me on. And I'm going to go. Because it's what God wants. And, and sometimes... You can know in your life God wants us, but you, don't you need people with you to encourage you? If you think to yourself, man, I know God wants this, I don't want to do it. Or I'm scared. Or, or I, I, I'm not sure about this. Whatever it is. And we need people with us to cheer us, up, cheer us on and encourage us with that. And that's the process Paul was in with people he didn't even know. What about the people we do know? I talked about how big his heart was toward him. People he didn't know. What about the people we do know? He wants to impart a gift to them. People he didn't even know. What about the people we do know? He wants to cheer them on. The people he didn't know. What about the people we do know? How much bigger can our hearts be for people we see every day? And that we actually know and are invested into one another's lives. That's what I want to share with you. That we need to overcome the fear in order to be effective with each other. And when we're effective with each other, the kingdom's going to benefit from that. Westcott's going to benefit from that. Parts of the world that, that some of us have been to and some of us will never go to are going to benefit from that. It's got to start in me, in you, with a bigger heart. A bigger heart. Less fear reaching into one another's lives, imparting that gift, cheering one another on. And take a, a couple minutes to pray. After we respond, if you have any questions or comments, I'll take them. But I at least want to just respond right now. Heavenly Father, I, I just pray for us that we can make a, a decision tonight about who we're going to be in the kingdom who we're going to be with our hearts. And I pray, God, tonight that our hearts would get bigger even as we're sitting here right now. I pray for more. I pray for more love. I pray for a bigger heart, a bigger uh, purpose in our life, something larger than our fears tonight. And I rebuke fear. I rebuke the lies that keep us from, from really loving. The lies that keep us from really opening our hearts. The lies that keep us from really pouring out into the lives of others. That allowing you to flow through us. And emotion to flow through us. 
the lies that, that, that say they're going to protect us, but they really don't. They may isolate us. They may do that, but they're not going to protect us. And they're going to hinder us from really experiencing all that you want us to experience. You've got more love for us, and you've got more love to flow through us. You've got more grace for us, and you've got more grace to flow through us. You've got more mercy for us, and you've got more mercy to flow through us. We need to shed those lies. We need to to cast those lies down. And just be bold tonight. We need to be bold in our love. Bold in our love as we receive from you and bold in our love to one another. God, our gifts. Let's pray, God, that there would be a free flowing of the gifts between us. God, allowing the gifts to flow even now, tonight, just let those gifts just flow freely between us. That that fear would be set aside. That that, that fear of having nothing to say or not, not somebody not wanting to listen or whatever it is, whatever those lies are in us, to be gone in the name of Jesus and a free flowing of your gifts between your people tonight. For God, I pray that we would cheer one another on what you called us to. Yeah. We want to cheer each other on our calls, our purposes, your plans in our life. They would cheer one another on. God, those that minister to, as kinship leaders, they would cheer one another on, on. Those that minister on the prayer teams, we would cheer one another on. Those that, that minister in works of service, that minister in, in works of compassion, we would cheer one another on in Jesus' name. We would cheer one another on in our gifts. We would cheer one another on in our callings. God, I, I pray that we would, we would just cheer one another on that we might grow together in You. So God, I pray for bigger hearts tonight. We receive You. Bigger hearts. Fill us. Fill us. Fill us. I pray for rivers of living water to come forth. Rivers of living water to fill us. Rivers of living water to rise up in our innermost being, deep in our bellies, God, tonight, rivers of living water to rise up in us and begin to flow up in us and through us and out of us in Jesus' name. Rivers of living water to to just pour out of us, pouring into the people that are around us, bubbling over into people's lives, God. I pray a refreshing tonight. Something more than we came in with. Something more that Your Holy Spirit does in us and through us and out of us, God. Overflowing in Jesus' name. Overflowing our capacity. Overflowing what we can hold in ourselves. Something more tonight. Something bigger. Something greater, God. It's an overflow. A bubbling over. It's going to go out of this place into the next place. It's going to go out of this place. It's going to overflow and bubble over into our dreams. Bubble over into our the people that we work with. Overflowing and bubbling over into our families. Bubbling over into our activities. Into our thought life. Just bubbling over, God. Out of our riches that we'd freely give. Freely give. Yeah. 
Thanks, God. Thanks, God. Thanks, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. Oh. Receive you, Jesus. We receive you, Jesus. We receive of you, God. We receive of you, God. Bless you, Lord God. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Flow, God. Rise up. We call on life tonight. We call on more of your Holy Spirit tonight. We call on those rivers of living water to overflow. Just to overflow. Jesus, Jesus, receive God, receive God. Receive of you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Poor Romana Rabasuta Rabasata Rabasapocote. Poor Romana Rabasunda Rabasanta Rabacoto Rabasati. Antar Romana Rabasanto Rabasota Rabasota Rabasito Bushocote. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you, God. Uh, for those of you that aren't here, we're just having a, a just a spontaneous kind of ministry time, praying, prophesying over each other. As people continue to minister to one another, I'll tell you a couple questions or comments if anybody wants to share anything. Rebecca? stronger together we're stronger ministering to one another and sharing life love gifts let that flow happen makes us stronger yeah I don't think the enemy likes that anybody else thank you anyone else Do you have another one? Yeah. Okay. So the other thing I was thinking is like, when my son calls me, there's just like something so exciting in my spirit because it's like the communion is there. Mm-hmm. And this is kind of like a sneak preview. I think this is part of my <laughs> thing on Sunday too. But um, when we're with like 
like-minded people. People, I think the Jesus in you gets all excited about connecting with the Jesus in me, and there's just like a joy that just like springs out of that. And um, so I was even thinking, like, for Paul, I think back in the church, you know, they say not to let your hide your light, you know, not to hide it under a bushel. We need to see that light in each other. And I think that that was his hope and belief is that there's Jesus in them, there's Jesus in me, and just I long mm-hmm. to see you because that communion just like supersedes everything, supersedes the way you smell, the way you look. Yep. <laughs> it's just like something, a really supernatural attraction. Right. That's the truth. Yeah. And that's part of our model is, you know, a lot of other models, our mission, the missionaries go for four years at a time. I don't even know how you do that. I don't know how I'd do that. So I couldn't figure out how anybody else could do that either. Yeah. The cheerleaders. Yep. Go Tigers. Even Jesus. Even Jesus. Yeah. It's the truth. It's truth. Dave? And I want you to, and I, and I, I purposely spoke it that way tonight, because I want you to think of it that way. I really want you to think of it that way, that we're cheering each other on, mutually encouraging one another. No, I want you to really think we're actually cheering each other on, okay? Because I think that's how we, I really believe that's how we need to see it, and we need to practice it.
I really believe that. So, let's do it. All right? All right. Well, God bless you tonight. Thank you for coming. A little bit overtime, but it's totally worth it. So, I'll see you again soon.